Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I am Paul. And I'm having a drink. <laughs> oh, yes. My, my name's Ken. Hello there. Hi, Ken. You are in charge once again, so I'll hand over to you. Safe spaces. Ooh. Boom. <laughs> yes. It's been a small topic of conversation in the wider world over the past uh, few years. And it's sort of on the back of what we've said on a few podcasts about this is our space where mm. the gays are concerned. And it was primarily about that that I wanted to talk. It wasn't the whole wider trans issue that, that goes on. And that's a big melting pot of, <laughs> whoa, dare we go into that territory? <laughs> so I am going to start off about, do the gays need their own safe spaces? It's something that's been triggered as a result of a, a conversation that I had with somebody to do with gay pubs. But in terms of the wider world, do you think or do you feel as a gay man in 2023 that there's the definite need for safe spaces for, say, gay men, gay women, specifically gay men and, and women? Do you feel that there's a, there's a sort of threat from the world that you need that now? There is. And also there is in certain places. So it really depends on where you are in the world, but also in a big city, for example, you'd probably be okay mm. being gay be most, in most places. I think there is a need for it, not necessarily because we automatically feel unsafe everywhere else. So if I go into a Weatherspoons mm. in Manchester city centre, do I automatically feel unsafe? No. Would I hold Stuart's hand? Probably not. Probably wouldn't hold his hand in a gay bar either. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not really your thing, is it? It's not. No, because but that's the kind of thing we've just never felt the need to, to do. But I did appreciate it when I was a gayling. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's, there is that sort of weirdness about, you know, we've, we've spoken quite a lot about having to come out time after time after time mm, in, your, yeah. in your life. And it's something that we all, we all have to face, but sort of not having to do that. Uh, I think I've told the story before about where you were once out and it was back, back when I was single. <laughs> Just to, to keep the divorce <laughs> lawyers at bay. It, no, it was. <laughs> It was when I was single and uh, and remotely uh, attractive to, to be. You mean when you were thin? <laughs> yeah. When I was thin and I had hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I I was out with uh, with some people in a, a pub in Preston, not a gay pub, and we ended up talking to a group of lads. And I was talking to this very attractive guy, and I didn't know if he was gay or not. But then it sort of worked its way around. So one of my friends told one of his friends that I was gay. And so his friend came over to sort of to almost like to warn me off. Mm. And I was like, well, first of all, I wasn't going to attack him. I would have, you know, if I was going to make a move or, you know, like get his phone number or something, I would have asked him first if he was gay. <laughs> and also 
if he was gay, it doesn't automatically mean that he's going to reciprocate. Your <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, my ego wasn't quite at that at that level. Don't all gays just shag <laughs> each other automatically? That's yeah. how it works, Indis- isn't it? Indiscriminately, yes, absolutely. But yeah, if we'd have been in a gay bar, then that sort of awkwardness of that would have been taken out because I could have decided, look, here's my phone number, do with it what you want. Whereas if you're not in that, then there's still the, if I This do, could explode yeah, very badly, yeah. yes. But fortunately, there's not that many people around nowadays who would take offence. I think the world's moved on a long yeah. way in our lifetime. It, um, certainly in terms of our drinking career, mm. pubs have evolved a long way in 20-odd years. Yes. And I think on that scale, for the better. Because I have had it for some bizarre bloody reason. I've had it many times where gay men have tried it on with me and uh, <laughs> they've been quietly and gently rebuffed. It's never bothered me. I've always been actually quite flattered by it because it's an, a level of attention I've certainly never had from women, <laughs> despite wanting it. But I can see that going horrifically wrong if they'd tried it on with other people that mm. I'd known it would have been a definite tonal shift towards the almost aggressive. And now I think that has gone. I think now most people of all ages would brush that off now because the world has moved on. Mm. So it was just whether or not as a gay man, I just can't (laughs) use that term without being catapulted back to college. (laughs) I know exactly. Yes, little in-joke there, boys and girls, sorry. Because, I mean, dancing around the obvious issue, which I really don't want to get into for the podcast because it's just uh, too broad and too deep Mm. and and just likely to, there's no correct answer to that. It's more a question of shifting the emphasis now towards how people feel. Now, take the right and wrong out of it or what is perceived to be the correct attitude. In terms of how people feel, if they're uncomfortable with something in their space... How on earth do we tackle this? Because, like I say, there's been a, a tonal shift in pub culture and, and how that, you know, if, if a gay man or a, a lesbian woman... A lesbian woman? <laughs> As opposed to a lesbian men out there. Sorry, yes. sorry. Yes. Oh, God. Lesbianism's just a minefield, isn't it? It's a bigger minefield than, than the gay one. That sort of maybe perceived intrusion into straight, you've asked a straight person out, get out or we will kill you with sticks. (laughs) That has shifted, that's changed. Mm. So now sort of the proper way to deal with that would be a polite but firm no rather than a decking. Yeah. And we're not at that stage in terms of all safe spaces, but it is the reason people do sort of react or feel uncomfortable is generally because, as with anything, they don't feel comfortable. And I think that can be leveled at any sort of scenario, say phobias. I am absolutely terrified (laughs) of spiders, just abnormally preoccupied with spiders, particularly when you get to September and October and all the (laughs) eight-legged freaks start roaming around the house like monsters, (laughs) ostensibly looking for a shag, I'm led to believe. The the male spiders just get so horny that they're just not bothered about their own life anymore, certainly when it comes to the heel of my boot. (laughs) Uh, but I am, it's an irrational fear in England because there just aren't any deadly spiders. That Some of them will give you a healthy nip, but it's quite rare. So that could be perceived to be, well, you've no reason to be afraid of them, but you are anyway. 
reasoning it out is not going to take away my discomfort if there's a spider in the room. You can't very well turn around and say, well, well, just don't look at the spider. You know it's there. So I feel uncomfortable as a result of that. Now, in terms of safe spaces, how do we get around the people feel uncomfortable? Whether or not it's rational or not, how on earth do we get out of that? Well, it does make sense, but gay people are not spiders. <laughs> <laughs> that has got to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> most most gay people are not spiders. <laughs> but no, I do I do know what you mean. There is a difference. And as you say, it can be rational or irrational. Mm. And fear of spiders, as you say, is largely irrational. That doesn't make it any less horrible for you if there is a spider there. If we are talking about you being uncomfortable being around gay people, then that's your problem. Yes. So I am not going to go somewhere else. I was trying to dance around the whole trans issue, really. I know, yeah. (laughs) uh, Really dancing around, yes. Um, If I I was a trans woman... Mm. And I went into the usual argument is a changing rooms in the gym. Oh, yes. Uh, because yes, yes. obviously that's where trans women spend most of their time. All um, of their time, surely, if you listen <laughs> yeah, to Twitter. And most of the time they're completely naked as everyone is. But if I was a trans woman, the phrase gender identity is used quite a lot. And as someone at work very uh, firmly told me a few days ago, gender identity is not a thing. Your gender identity is the gender that you are. It doesn't matter what gender other people put on you, your gender. So a trans woman is a woman because she knows she is a woman. It's not her gender identity. She doesn't identify as a woman. She is a woman because she says she is a woman. So she's going to go into the women's changing rooms in the gym if we have to have binary changing spaces in the gym. If there's somebody in there, another woman, a a cisgender woman, who feels uncomfortable, first of all, how do they even know that the person, the other people in the changing rooms are transgender? And secondly, if they do somehow, either by some form of genital inspection or, or by making, forcing them to carry a certificate, or by just saying, as has been the case quite recently with Daniel Radcliffe's girlfriend, they just look a bit mannish. <laughs> so therefore they must be a trans person. If the woman, if the cisgender woman in there feels uncomfortable with that, that's her problem. I have listened to these debates now quite intently because it's something that you get very passionate about and, and Simon Exton, <laughs> fellow podcaster and good mate, also feels very passionately about. So I've wanted to really get under the skin of this one mm. to try and understand. And I have formed my own sort of opinion on it, but it doesn't fit with the perceived correct opinion. I mean, I have, I have no axe to grind either way. I, I don't... It's not like it's not something I'm going to champion a crusade or anything. I've just got my opinion on it. I don't see an easy way out of it. I don't see an easy way to resolve the differences. I mean, it's a good point. Um, don't wander around changing rooms inspecting people's genitals. It's a it's a perfectly reasonable stance to assume. The only trouble is in a female changing room, 
it's probably going to be quite difficult to ignore or not catch out of the corner of your eye a penis. So I can see the difficulty and it's going to be, it's as it always is, the tiny, tiny fragment minority that abuse the privilege. I mean, changing rooms, it always falls back on changing rooms. There's (laughs) nowhere else in the world. I do not have a, I'm not proffering any sort of solution or answer. I just wondered if in any way there is the possibility that there doesn't seem to be any sort of thought or weight or consideration really given to the women that are saying, well, well, just hang on a minute. I, I, I am uncomfortable with this and uh, I should be listened to really because I, I am uncomfortable with this. And the perceived, I could be completely wrong, but the perceived response is, well, no, they are women. So you shouldn't be uncomfortable. End of story. Yeah, but these uncomfortable women... They don't really exist except in the minds of Graham Linehan and his... Uh, well, and, and, yeah. yeah, but do you... And I, I know that... What, unfortunately, Twitter has become the echo chamber <laughs> of this bloody argument, and it's not a very... There's nothing rational about Twitter. So divorce the whole Linehan, mm. um, J.K. Rowling sort of thing out of this, because all that does is it develops a very binary argument where you're either for or against, and that's the end of that. It's the you are right or wrong scenario, and I just think there's room for manoeuvre on shades of grey. Yeah, but then in the the changing room argument, first of all, if there's a trans woman in there, first of all, no trans woman or very very few trans women are going to be going around waving hello you. <laughs> because they're going. They spent their whole lives feeling like they're in the wrong body. Mo or most of them are completely almost ashamed of their own body they're not going to be flaunting it if they go into the women's changing rooms they're going to be either in a cubicle or they're going to be in a corner you know hiding away and if anyone else comes into the changing rooms they're going to make sure that they're covered up they're not there and if there was someone who came in and who was genuinely uncomfortable and this is the situation where we're saying somebody (laughs) someone has gone to the gym and is just all the way they're driving to the gym going oh my god oh my god what if there's a trans woman in the in the changing rooms at the same time as me and what if she's naked and what if she's got a penis and what if I see it and you know and yes I mean I imagine there probably are people like that few and far between (laughs) (laughs) but then that person surely if they were that upset about it would go into the changing rooms and go into one of the cubicles and lock it and they'd be fine because that's their safe space but at the same time the trans person would probably be in a separate cubicle anyway and I do completely understand it and it it is to be challenged to say no you're not allowed to be uncomfortable is not helpful in Mm. any situation but all of these arguments are based on really specific <laughs> hypothetical situations that will just that will just never happen. But the way, and it is Twitter, and it is mm. stupid things like that, and it is those people who shall not be named, <laughs> they prey on that. So you will get people, just ordinary, and it is usually women, although obviously it happens the same way for men and trans men, but who you will get women who sort of read these things or read these 6,000 word essays that JK Rowling published and think, oh, actually she has got a point. 
What if a man decides to take advantage of this safe space and come into this change room and rape me? It's not a trans woman. I'm fully welcoming of all trans women. <laughs> but what I don't think is that men should be allowed to come in. And no one's saying that men should come in. But that's, you know, that's one of the hypothetical arguments. If a cisgender man wants to go into a change room and rape somebody, he will do it. He won't be like, mm, actually... <laughs> This is a female-only safe space. <laughs> I better, I better observe. And you know, and I do get that there are people out there who who are uncomfortable. But a lot of it is fed by the the fear that these people feed them. But at the same time, a lot of them are made up to support the argument. I think there's undue weight, though, given to. Because they've become unofficial spokespeople for this, the J.K. Rowling's, the, the Graham Leonard, I think undue consideration is given to them specifically. Mm. And the emphasis has shifted away from the core sort of thing that... I mean, I'll, I'll turn this completely on its head. If I was in a changing room and um, someone I thought was a, a man stripped off and they were actually... They had a, a female body underneath. They identified as a man, but they had a female body. I would all of a sudden feel very self-conscious. I mean, I feel self-conscious as it is. I, I, <laughs> I, I hate getting naked in front in, in changing rooms. I, wherever possible, I'll use a cubicle if there's one available. But I would feel very, very uncomfortable if I suddenly found myself unexpectedly presented with a woman because I'm not, I'm quite body conscious to start with. That would really unsettle me. But that... I mean, unless that was that was just an example of somebody who had got, gone into the wrong changing rooms, that that would sort of, as the converse of the situation we had before, that would be a trans man. Yes. Um, so he, as far as current laws stand, mm. he would be as entitled as you to use that, and but he would probably feel just as awkward as you mm. did, probably more so because he would be thinking. When I get undressed now, if anybody sees this, it's not what they're expecting and probably make them feel really vulnerable. Oh, no, I totally understand it from the other side as well. Mm. Uh, this is why I'm saying this, I don't have an answer or a, a solution or, or I would never proffer it. I, it was just really a, a general discussion about it because for all the hysteria and, oh, my goodness me, this hysteria. <laughs> it continues. <laughs> I don't think, A, that it's as hysterical as, uh, for all the <sighs> demonstrations and riots and people that just take it too bloody far, I think there's the middle ground where there's a, come on, let's let's have a chat about this and uh, just air. The, but coming up to the mid-21st century, and there's no discussions anymore. There's no, It's all binary arguments that you're right and I'm right. No, I'm right. No, you're right. You're wrong. You're, and that's going nowhere, is it? No, that is true. And it is focused by the loudest people in, on, in all, all camps. And we've come up with these hypothetical situations. If in the original situation, if those two women in the changing rooms were perfectly reasonable people, like they probably are, then... As I say, they would likely either just go into separate cubicles or, you know, one of them might say, oh, you look a little bit uncomfortable. I'll, or even without acknowledging mm. it, maybe just sort of turn around. And they would behave perfectly normally. It's just the fact that these arguments are used to fuel the fire. Now, the obvious, or sorry, not the obvious situation, but the situation that's put forward is, well, let's have, again, sticking to changing rooms, let's have 
separate changing rooms for trans people, but then they're then segregated again. But I don't know. I mean, there's no simple solution, no. and I'm not expecting, uh, you know, a 20 minute podcast to, <laughs> yes. to solve the problem. It was just one of those things. I think it's a great melting pot of what should be discussion and is actually a great melting pot of furious and sometimes violent argument that yeah. really doesn't need to be had. No, but the, I think the thing that makes it worse is that the people who are shouting the loudest about it are the people who are not affected in any way by it at all. Graham Linehan. Oh, I don't know. I know you've, you've, uh, you're not entirely fond of, uh, of those. I, I've not seen enough of Graham Linehan's stuff. I, I understand, I get the feeling his is a little bit more incendiary than J.K. Rowling's. And again, I, um, what I've seen of J.K. Rowling recently has been, because you've said in the past that she doesn't comment directly. I've seen a lot of direct comments yes, from she her. she started, she's dropped the mask. And I'm finding it difficult to disagree with that as a as a sensible point of view. Uh, Graham Linehan, I can't comment on. I've not seen enough of, and I've seen enough of his stuff. Again, taken wildly out of context, it's not exactly covered in glory. But again, they represent a polar extreme. And on the other side of it, you've got some very, very bizarre people that are just trans activists who, you, to be honest, you'd think that the entire world was at war with them. To the oh. point where they were all carrying knives in case they saw a trans. But it's these, these binary poles of, of discussion that they bear no relation to the actual scenario at all. No, but then if you were, um, a, like JK Rowling lives in a castle. She's a, <laughs> she's a billionaire. She has nothing to worry about. Trans people are mostly incredibly lonely they've spent their entire life being victimized and being told that they're something that they're not and a lot of the time the only contact they have with the outside world is the media and social media and as soon as they put twitter on they see the likes of don't go on twitter yeah. don't go on twitter no, anybody but that, that for some people that's all they have so they do genuinely feel and you know there's laws being enacted in america which are not too far away from coming over here where people are allowed to inspect your genitals before you go into a toilet in a public place to make sure that you're going into what they perceive as the right one in no society is that acceptable. Uh, no, no. but but that's what they're seeing because those are the stories those are things that are actually happening and those are the arguments so if they don't have anybody sort of sticking up for them, then they are going to be going out with a... Oh, I, I agree. You know, that everybody needs a support network. Mm. But to listen to Twitter, you'd think that either all trans people are going to get you or all straight people are going to get you if you're trans. We're just going to come after you and and basically lock you away in a an oubliette. Mm. And it's just that binary extreme that doesn't exist on either side it's just not it's not true no but um, it is true for them well it will be if you read twitter you see i, I did a comparison the other day and it was a, a royal story and i just thought let's see how this is commented on on facebook and how it's commented <laughs> on, on twitter and the chasmic difference in responses mm. Twitter is just a melting pot of bile. It's absolutely vitriolic acid. 
about any topic. There's no positivity on Twitter <laughs> whatsoever. Nothing is good. No. The entire world's out to get you. And no matter who you are or what side of the fence you fall on, you're wrong. <laughs> you're, you're both wrong and the world's coming after you. So you better watch out. So, yes. Yeah, it is It is true. And I can see, well, I, I, I guess I can see where both sides of the argument are coming from. I would not want anyone to feel that they were going into what they perceived as a safe space and feeling that they weren't safe mm. for whatever reason. But it may be that for the woman in the change room who feels uncomfortable because the other woman in the change room might have a penis, maybe, I, I'm not saying she shouldn't feel uncomfortable and she has no right to do that, but maybe if we were a little bit more understanding and she, instead of thinking, oh my God, that woman over there might have a penis, I'm sure I can see, I'm sure I can see a bulge in the towel. <laughs> like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Just maybe think, which again, as we've both said, well, what she probably would think is, first of all, I shouldn't be saying that that woman, that would be quite something, but maybe they feel as uncomfortable as I do. So maybe we should just not look at each other. See, that would be a better. Yes. And if we remove Twitter, then maybe we get a little bit closer to... Uh, to 4chan. Oh, my. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But the bottom line from all this is that gay people are not spiders. Exactly. And I, I think that's We can only, learn a lot yeah. from that. <laughs> I'm glad we found something out. <laughs> it's time to decide, feather or not, we need safe spaces. It's a real difficult one for me. I can't, I can't answer it. Uh, so because I don't have an answer, I'm going to give it a three. Because yeah. I, I can't say that, particularly in this particular instance, it was just really opening a can of worms that I thought, nah, fuck it. We may as well, let's tackle the big guns with that, <laughs> and dance around it for half an hour. <laughs> uh, but because I don't have an answer, I'm going to give it a three. Excellent. I, yeah, I think, yes, certain people do need safe spaces, but it's who they think they need to be safe from that I think is the concern. Uh, so again, it could go either way. I'll go with a three. Well, I'm going to round us off with Screening Queens. Ooh. If this is Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter from the changing room of fire. No, it's a... Lovely little series I've stumbled across called Our Flag Means Death. Oh. <laughs> and I don't know whether you've seen it yet. I haven't yet. It's oh, on the list. Oh, right. It's a pirate series. It's sort of a sitcom, for want of a better expression. It's a, a comedy drama. It's quite Australian in its feel, I think largely because the two leads are from New Zealand. Right. Uh, and there's no attempt to disguise the accent, even though it's clearly supposed to be set in England. <laughs> So, or, or launched from England, but it's very gay. Right. And certainly goes against type. We sat and watched eight half hours, almost back to back, gripped. Wow. Yeah. It was, it's a really entertaining little series. It's on BBC, well, it's on iPlayer. Mm. A second series mm. is certainly in, in the works. I would heartily recommend that. Excellent. Um, but just the, it, it's not a gay and it's not rammed down your throats or anything like that. It's just, there's a, a sort of a homo, sub, homo, homo erotic <laughs> subtext. It's homo. 
Oh, right. I'm going to put the spade away now and stop digging. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's a, a definite subtext to it. I can't believe it's not got wide attraction because it should mm. be something that the gay community in particular has picked up on and thought, this is really positive. The whole thing about it is just upbeat and uplifting and it's not in any way preachy. It's just there. That's and why we don't like it. We have, <laughs> if, we have, if we have nothing to moan about. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I, it's definitely on the list, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. Splendid. Hooray. Well, that uh, <laughs> we'll draw that off before before the, well, either side come after us with flaming torches. We'll, we'll draw a line <laughs> under it for the time being. But yeah, we'll be back very soon with more listening pleasure for you. Ta-ta. <laughs> Nine Bob Node featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman, and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.